may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be truly acceptable in my sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. A lot of thoughts going on. Just to recap, Jesus comes in riding on a young burl, never been ridden, not a white stallion. Things happen. People have no idea what's going on. They have the dinner in the upper room. Again, people have no idea what's going on. Jesus prays in the garden. And again, the disciples have no idea what's really going on. He's taken prisoner beat, shuffled between government entities. And I'd say in general, nobody still has a clue as to what's going on. Goes before Pilate. And he's beaten and then carries his own cross to where he is killed not by the nails in the wrist or in the feet, but through suffocation, because he can't push himself up to take the weight off the lungs. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a legend. This is true. Jesus is a person. Which leads me to the question, and you've all heard me say before, it doesn't matter what the answer is, don't have the right question. And the question that comes up is, why? Why would a sane man, knowing how everything is going to come out, agree to do this? Is he delusional? Mentally unstable? Or is this a hoax? Yeah. Because no one who understands the significance of what is about to happen would willingly allow himself to be set up to die a most gruesome death. It's so gruesome that the Romans themselves outlawed it shortly thereafter. C.S. Lewis is right. Jesus is either a madman, totally incapable of realizing what is involved, or he is who he says he is, the Son of God. C.S. Lewis didn't believe Jesus was a madman, and neither do I. A madman would not be able to elicit the thinking processes of Jesus or the experience of healing and casting out the demonic spirits. A madman, as would most men, seek to preserve their lives for some kind of substantial gain. It 
It was a long con job. Three years. But what did he get out of it? I think of that movie that Steve Martin made uh, being a revivalist with a bus group. Yeah. Leap of Faith. Leap of Faith. Leap of Faith. Mm -hmm. And how it showed all the technology that went in to allowing Steve Martin supposedly change lives. How much of it was rigged. And he did quite good for himself for a long time. And then one day God stepped into the reality of his world and healing took place. I'm going to leave that movie right there because you've got to see the rest of it. Because God does that right when you don't expect him to. Healing is real. And it's done for the glory of God. And it's done for us. God is real. Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit's real. And the healing that does take place today many times uses the most unlikely people for it to occur. But the reality of truth steps into our lives and God confronts and astounds us in the most untimely manner many times. You see, Jesus knew what lay in store for him. He was not crazy. He was not ignorant of the reality of the methods and the outcome of the mockery and of the perjury in that trial. Did he want that outcome that occurred? No. You remember him saying and sitting late, praying in the garden, going, take this burden from me, would you please, if it is your will. But it wasn't. And he agreed to do it. Is it any wonder that sweat poured from his head like drops of blood? Where's the personal gain for Jesus? He's not the conquering hero on the back of a big white stallion. He's the hero on the back of a young ass being led by those who did not understand. He gets ready to celebrate the Passover. That dinner was a jolt. It shook up everything. You see, Jesus didn't change the story. He added to it. He became the sacrificial lamb, the lamb without a blemish, the first born. And the blood that was shed on the lintels and the posts of the homes was the blood that Jesus poured out and said, drink, this is my blood given for you for the remission of sins. Wow. Jesus becomes the vehicle for saving his people 
those within the faith and those without the faith. And when he inserted himself as the sacrifice, is it any wonder that some of the disciples got their noses out of joint and left? Jesus is the way to God and to life eternal. And the journey he took for us so that we could be with God as Adam was in the garden is an action of love. It's both the subject, the verb, the action on our behalf for a journey that was not possible for us to take based on our efforts alone. We could not do what Jesus was able to do. In the beginning, God took the initiative and created. After the forbidden fruit, God again takes the initiative with a covenant between him and Adam. Adam failed and failed again and again and again and again. We couldn't do it. We can't keep the covenant. We fail. The church fails. Government fails. But God in his grace and mercy has found a way that was not dependent upon us. Dependent upon us doing something. Quite simply, God provided a clear pathway for us to access him and his kingdom by doing himself what we could not do. He established a covenant with himself, by himself, for his creation. That's you and me. God did that. We didn't. So God became the sacrificial, unblemished lamb, and by his blood he washed away the sins for the whole world. And this act we remember on Palm Sunday is the beginning of the wholeness of creation itself. So what does God require of us? Y'all know I like Micah 6.8. And it's very simply put, what does God require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? And Jesus gives us two great commandments that instruct us on how to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. And it's very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and all that you are. And remember the second one? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So when we celebrate the Eucharist today, rejoice that God so loved us that he gave his son to be the final sacrifice and method by which we have access to God and his kingdom and everlasting life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.